Welcome once again to the No Code Podcast. Season 2, Episode 8 was very interesting and insightful. My guest was Ryan Simonetti, the CEO and co-founder of Convene. Convene is a company that designs and services premium co-working, meeting, and event spaces with a strong foundation in hospitality. They have locations in cities all over the world, such as Philadelphia, Chicago, New York, and London. Ryan started the company in 2009 and has gone on an incredible journey, building the organization from a startup to over 1,000 employees just before the COVID-19 pandemic. Our discussion centered around the convened leadership team's incredibly difficult decisions during the pandemic, as well as their incredible foresight to make tweaks to the business model so they could emerge with a full head of steam once COVID is behind us. Ryan is a true leader in every sense of the word, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Special thanks to our mutual friend and JLL Philadelphia broker, Matt Davis, for connecting us. Welcome back, everybody. No Code Podcast, Season 2, Episode 8. I'm on overtime duty today. This is my second podcast I've recorded in the same day. Never been done before. So, uh, Really excited to have uh, the part two guest today, which is uh, Mr. Ryan Simonetti, the CEO and co-founder of, of Convene. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Uh, awesome uh, to be here. And I guess uh, nothing like being number two. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, man, you know, I had to go through a lot of your people. You, you know, you've, you've got the admin team, the marketing staff, uh, you know, Public relations, security—it was—it was tough to get you, but I—I finally—I finally got you here. Saving the best for last, man. I got it. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, Ryan. Uh, you know, obviously, you and I are connected by uh, one of the greatest men uh, in the greater Philadelphia region, at least, maybe beyond that, uh, Mr. Matt Davis, uh, JLL broker out of our Berwyn office, and uh, you know, he set this up, and uh, you know. Uh, really happy uh, that that he gave us that honor and, you know, continue to just kind of worship at the altar of Davis, you know? Yep. A, uh, a legend in his own mind, no doubt. <laughs> Great guy. We, we, uh, we brought him back to JLL a couple years ago. He was out doing his uh, office furniture gig for a few years, but he found his way back to JLL and uh, he's been crushing it ever since. I will, I will honestly give him uh a lot of credit. He's been he's been buying into the JLL platform, our technology, our our staff, our analyst team, marketing, the whole deal. So uh, we'll give him some props. We'll give him some no, props. no. We got you. Got to give credit where credit is due. So uh, you know he's uh, one of my best friends, uh, an amazing human, and you know as a really dear friend of his, I just want to say thank you to you and the team at JLL for saving him from the furniture industry. So <laughs> glad to see him back yeah, in the we, JLL uniform. Yeah, we got him. We got him. We had a couple couple nice lunches, heart to hearts before uh he made the move and we convinced them that we could uh, you know, we could we could give him what he needs to be successful. And he has gone out and and he's been busting it, man. It pandemic be damned. He's been uh making the calls and and doing the things he's got to do. That's uh Villanova grind, man. Villanova grind. That's right. That's, That's right. So, so we are both speaking of Nova uh, I believe both uh, 2004 undergrads, correct? Yeah, and then I pulled a little bit of a Van Wilder, so I ended up not graduating till 2005. But yes, I was originally part of the 2004 class. Good deal, good deal. Yeah, I, uh, I, I can't believe we didn't cross paths. I mean, we probably did, but we maybe we just don't remember. 
you know, but, uh, I would you know, say I was we didn't account- probably, I would say we didn't probably don't remember. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that, that'll happen, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I was an accounting undergrad and, and you were finance, correct? Yeah. And, uh, in econ too. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. We, uh, we definitely, I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, you know, ran into each other quite a bit back in the day, but, uh, Great experience. Unfortunately for our boys, uh, not a great showing in uh, yesterday's Big East opener against Georgetown. But uh, tough. We'll have to see how they do in in a, in a week or two here. Yeah, I mean, tough. You know, injuries, um, not a ton of depth, but we'll see. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed they um, you know they rally in the tournament. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any Georgetown friends by any chance? Um, you know, I, I do actually, uh, interesting convened story. Uh, we ended up acquiring a business, uh, in Philadelphia, which was called the hub. We now have, have obviously converted it, um, and to convene, uh, but that was actually owned by two, uh, two Georgetown, uh, guys, great guys. Uh, so I do have, uh, quite a few friends, uh, that went to Georgetown. Nice. Nice. So my buddy from from high school, Steve Neithold, he uh, uh, I get a text message yesterday uh, about three hours after the game. It just says, hi, Georgetown guy, you know, <laughs> just trying just trying to just gave me the old the old poke. Hey, buddy. Yeah, I'm like, know, yeah, you, I, I know. OK, I know. But do yeah. you know how many do you know how many of those texts we've gotten to send literally over the last <laughs> decade? I mean, uh Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're you're very right there. We've uh we've had the better end of that for sure uh over the last 10 years. But uh no, he he uh he had to get it in there. I I understand. You got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. Yep. But last so listen, time I man, checked, two national championships, so you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um so you know today today's an interesting day, March 12th, because uh I I went back and and I was looking at my emails from a year ago cuz I knew Coming up on today, I'm like, it's it's about the one year anniversary of things going real crazy around the world. And sure enough, I pulled up an old email from 31220, whereas my email to the JLL Philadelphia team that we were shutting down all the offices a year ago today. So uh definitely a, a tough anniversary, but um I'm sure you can relate to it too in the convene world. Uh, when I'm assuming right around the same time, you guys had some really, uh, really tricky decisions to make, I'm guessing. Yeah, look, I mean, we actually had a, a, a conversation about this. Um, we were reflecting this as a, a leadership team uh, actually this week. And, you know, it's hard to believe it's it's been a year. Um, you know, I, I would say for all of us has probably been you know one of the most challenging um, and difficult years that any of us have had. Personally, professionally, you know, I don't know a single person that hasn't experienced loss in in some way. Um, uh, you know, I think a lot of things have been taken away from all of us, and in some instances, our health, people we love and, and care about, and it was a really challenging time for for Convene. Uh, had to make some really really difficult decisions quickly, uh, including shutting down all of our locations um, to protect the health and safety of our team and, and our clients. Uh, and you know, we also had to make some really difficult cost reduction decisions. You know, we right. 
thank God we were so proactive. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about some of the leadership lessons I've learned in, in managing through a crisis, but you know, we had to make some really tough human decisions quickly. Uh, I think by the end of March, we had laid off our furloughed um, almost 80 plus or 85% of our staff. We went from a thousand employees wow. to, you know, 130 or 40. Wow. Um, literally overnight. So, you know, look, it was hard. Um, with that said, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And, you know, I think that while we went through a lot, we've also transformed a lot and have persevered. Uh, we've innovated and, uh, you know, we're still standing. And you yeah. know, I think in a, in a really exciting place coming out of this, you know, I think convene, uh, and what we do will be more in demand than ever. And, you know, I'm really excited, uh, you know, obviously with light at the end of the tunnel, but also seeing, you know, what we can do as an organization with some of the new capabilities that we've built over the next, you know, three to five years. Yeah, I, I think, you know, can, can totally relate to, to what you're saying there in terms of, you know, what we had to do at JLL. We, we, we didn't have to do, luckily, quite that level of reduction because, our business is a, is a little different. It's, it's more on the servicing side. And, you know, I guess, unfortunately for our brokers, um, you know, if there's less deals to be had, then on, on our end, there's less that we pay because they are, you know, they're commission yep. based. So yep. you almost have profit protection kind of built in there. But in our, our specifically our project management group, which yep. we call PDS, you know, those are base salary and bonus people that work on jobs and, when the jobs stop, you know, the construction management, the renovations, the new builds, when those things stall or, or slow down or stop, you know, you can't keep all those people around. And, and that was on our end, that was the really tough decisions that we had to make in April and then kind of another smaller round in, in about September or so uh, when we were sort of like, you know, assessing the damage at that point. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really, really hard. And we had to face it and we had to make the moves, but, but to your latter point, you know, coming out of this, it's really exciting to see how we can adjust and how we can tweak and how we can actually identify new opportunities out of a really horrible situation. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I've learned and grown a lot this year, especially as, as a leader. And, you know, I've been asked oftentimes about, you know, kind of leading through crisis and, there's a couple principles I would, I would take away from this. Uh, you know, the first is accept reality. Um, and accepting reality, uh, is oftentimes, uh, not easy. The second thing is plan for the worst. Right. And the third thing is have the cover, the courage to act. Right. Um, a lot of times, you know, the decisions that need to get made, but it takes courage to act on them. Right. And whether those are the hard decisions like shutting locations down or headcount reductions, which um, you obviously both of our firms um, you know, and had to do. But it's also the courage to act on new opportunities. Right. And you know, we started to see this emerging trend towards hybrid. We saw our meeting and event and conferencing clients moving quickly to virtual. And the easy thing to do would have been to do nothing, right. right? To feel bad for ourselves, to focus on all the negativity, to focus on the unknown and the uncertainty. And when does our core business come back? 
And I'm really proud of our team and organization that we didn't do that and that we had the courage to act and to move and most importantly, to innovate. Um, and we've launched a entire new virtual and hybrid meeting and conferencing technology solution. You know, we've hosted hundreds of virtual events on that platform, thousands of attendees from all over the world. We recently announced uh, an incredible collaboration with Marriott, um, where we'll be one of the virtual and hybrid technology partners across a thousand of their full service hotels, where we can actually start to decouple oh, wow. a portion of the convene experience from our own spaces that we controlled and actually bring that experience to other venues, other locations. Um, and so, yeah, you know, they always say, don't let a good crisis go to waste. And I'm really proud that, you know, we didn't let it go to waste. And, um, you know, I think we're going to come out of this a stronger company, uh, definitely tougher. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, very, very excited about, uh, the future that we have in front of us. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that sounds incredible in terms of some of those adjustments and, and new avenues you're exploring. I, I think, you know, your point about the courage to act and acceptance is huge because, you know, you could see it as, as the crisis was unfolding, I think we did a great job at JLL of first off communication. I mean, we were meeting every day, 8 a.m. We had a standing call with our local team, all, all all leaders, all service lines. Even if it was something that didn't have a whole lot to do with somebody's individual group, we still wanted that voice in the room. You know, we had property management, project management, operations, brokerage, you know, all, all service lines involved. And we were talking to one another on a daily basis, I would say for the first I don't know, probably 45 days of things really unfolding in mid-March. Yeah. And then we had our regional calls and we had national calls. And, you know, it got to a point where probably 45 days in, you sort of like, you know, got a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit fatigued with that kind of thing, you know. But uh, but it was it was very valuable to kind of have that connectivity and that communication of, number one, how are we going to kind of accept the problem and and deal with it? And then... You know, you saw certain people that were very quick to understand, like, okay, I need to take immediate action, and here's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to be decisive. And then you saw some other people that were like a little more, I don't know, maybe it was like almost paralysis by by fear of like, how the heck are we going to handle this? You know? Yeah. Look, look um, it's it's interesting seeing people respond to moments like this, right? I think you yeah. learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about people um, and, and how people respond to these types of situations. Yeah. Uh, you know, some people look for an exit door really quick. Um, yeah. You know, some people it's deer in headlights. Uh, and then, you know, you have a group of people that, you know, kind of hops into the trenches and, you know, says, let's go. And, you know, thankfully for us, we had an incredibly strong core team of people that, you know, were extremely resilient, uh, committed, and, you know, were willing to hop in and do the hard work. And, you know, thank God we had them. And, you know, I'm very appreciative and have been extremely inspired, probably more inspired by a group of people ever in my whole life um, than I have been by, you know, our team the last year. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's great. Well, listen, I can tell from, uh, 
just talking with Meg and Maya and a few other people that I've been uh, talking with over the last week or two as we've been setting this up, it seems like you have really, really great people that are very professional, very attentive, very nice. And and it's always good to have that because, I mean, you know how it is. You can't, you can't do this stuff alone. Uh, I mean, you need support. And, you know, I've got great support at JLL, but I talked to some other people at, at other companies, you know, and even outside of the real estate realm where, you know, they're overloaded with work. They don't have enough support. They don't have that, that really great, you know, structure or backbone of an organization. And that can be tough for people. You know, you wind up getting pulled in a lot of different directions, a lot of, a lot of rabbit holes that you maybe don't need, didn't need to go down. But because of an organization that's inefficient or or understaffed, you can you know you can find yourself in some tough spots. Yeah, yeah, or doesn't have strong leadership that has a clear vision and helps the organization prioritize on what's important and what's not. You know, it's tough in in a crisis deciphering between urgent and important, which is a big difference, is is hard and. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how you guys felt, but the first six months of this was, you know, I felt like we were in a deep fog where, you know, you couldn't yeah. see up, you couldn't see down, you couldn't see left and right. And it's, it's a lot of trust, you know, to kind of pick a direction and, and move. And that requires, you know, strong leadership and strong vision. And, you know, again, that requires a team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think, uh, I- you know, a lot of people are talking about the, uh, you know, the COVID-15. Maybe they gained like like 15 pounds during COVID. From from my my stress, I think I lost 10 pounds in the first two months of COVID. <laughs> Between being so so stressed about what was going on and, and, and so busy with all these calls and, and trying to figure stuff out and just like not having time to eat or just forgetting to eat. I was like the opposite. But then yeah. I made up for it later. I, I, right. I, I well, like I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you're lucky because I put on that quarantine 15. And <laughs> when I get stressed, like I become a snack monster and being okay. home, even though we have amazing, we've got this thing called Nourish, which is like our, you know, it's like an experiential pantry. We've got like, you name it, all the goodies at Convene. Uh, it's different than being home. Uh, and, you know, so unfortunately that refrigerator was a little bit too close to where I was uh, working from for the first six months of this. Gotcha. Yeah. Understandable. So let's, let's, uh, let's rewind a little bit. And uh, I'm curious, you know, one of the themes of the, this season's uh, podcast has kind of accidentally been entrepreneurship and people that go out and take a risk and, and a gamble and bet on themselves. Um how did that happen for you with convene like the like the the start of it the inception the idea how did you how did you bring it to light and what what kind of inspired you to do that I'm super curious to hear about that so you know I'd say my entrepreneurial journey starts way back um you know I was uh fortunate enough to be born into a family where you know my dad was an entrepreneur um and uh you know, owned a couple different small businesses uh, until he he ended up buying the business that he still owns today. Which uh, I don't know if you've ever had a, a Shake Shack burger, but it's uh, it's on a Martin potato roll. And so my dad ended oh. up buying uh, a delivery route in New Jersey. And uh, nice. as a young kid, I spent a lot of time with him in the summers, like literally, like on his truck working with him, uh, and and learned a lot. So. For me, uh, ever since I was a young kid, I, I knew at some point in my life I always aspired to be like him. And 
uh, and own and, and lead my own business. Uh, at Villanova, did a lot of entrepreneurial stuff. If you were buying a spring break trip or buying a ticket to a bus party uh, uh, or a used textbook, um, it was probably me and my partner, Chris, that were selling it to you. So nice. I would say I always had that kind of entrepreneurial hustle spirit. Uh, we actually won the first ever startup competition at oh, Villanova. Awesome. Uh, got one of those huge checks, like those billboard style checks. And I think it was like 2,500 or five grand. But at the time, like you're a college kid, that's a, that's a lot of cash. And that's you know, we, we had all these big plans. We're like, you know, we're going to take this and we're going to put it into this business. We're going to start together right out of college. Uh, and then that didn't happen. I think we cashed in, like took it to, to, to Kelly's or Mahoney's or PJ's <laughs> and, and spent it at the bar. But um, brownies, long, brownies. Exactly. So uh, yeah. all the spots, uh, long story <laughs> short, um, I think kind of entrepreneurship has always been in me uh, and, and been with me. It's, it's kind of the lens I've always looked at the world. Uh, you know, if I see a problem to me, it's a business opportunity. And, right. you know, I was fortunate enough, uh, obviously to go to Villanova, great school, uh, left Villanova to go to Lehman brothers, uh, in their global real estate group, uh, mm -hmm. worked in the structured products team. Uh, working on all those nasty things that created the financial crisis, like CMBS uh, and CDOs, then uh, wanted to do something more entrepreneurial and be in a more startup type environment. I mean, Lehman was an incredible training ground and worked with and learned from some amazing people. Uh, but I wanted to be in like a real growth environment. Uh, and so I was fortunate enough to get a job uh, as a senior analyst at a company called Gramercy Capital. Uh, which eventually became a publicly traded company, uh, used to trade under the ticker, a GIT, Gramercy Investment Trust, um, and got lucky. Um, you know, I kind of jumped into a rocket ship uh, when I first started. I don't know if I might have been the sixth or seventh hire, a couple hundred million in assets in, under management. And in a matter of a few years, we went from hundreds of asset, millions of assets under management to billions. And I ended up... Uh, leading uh, one of our investment teams at a very young age. And then when 2008-2009 uh, financial crisis happened, uh, I actually got asked to, uh, to kind of help start um, uh, our workout restructuring and special servicing business. So for almost two years, um, I worked out uh, a few billion dollar portfolio of, of assets that we had invested in. And it just so happened most were hotel assets and, and office buildings. Um, right. And I had spent a lot of time, you know, our, our parent and kind of lead investor was SL Green, the large office landlord in New York. And this was at the time where lifestyle as a movement was moving from hospitality, like the W, Ian Schrager, Boutique Hotel, that kind of hospitality first design forward experience was also in fitness with Equinox. Uh, it was coming into residential, into high-end condo development. And, you know, what was interesting to me is I said, well, no one's ever really applied hospitality to office or brought hospitality to the workplace. And right. so the vision for Convene was, you know, how do you, how do you bring hospitality to an office building uh, and into the workplace in a way that creates value for the asset owner by making the building more attractive the same way a hotel owner thinks about experience driving value in, in a hotel asset. 
And at the same time, how do you create a better experience um, for the tenants and their employees and allow them maybe not to have to deliver as many of those services themselves, but actually outsource some of that hospitality to us and the infrastructure that we were building uh, in the building right. with the landlord. And we started out with meeting event and conferencing space. Uh, the idea was how do we deliver that experience better than anyone else um, in the world? Uh, we vertically integrated all of the different touch points that that make that experience. So food and beverage, design, conference planning, uh, culinary, technology, all of these sorts of things to really control that experience end to end. And I would say about four years in, as we were scaling, we saw this incredible opportunity start to vertically deliver hospitality services to the tenants in the building. So we started to do things right. like vertical catering. So just like in a hotel, I would get room service. Well, if you're a tenant in a convened building, you can get room service. Uh, right. Then we started to expand into different types of amenities. We can run your tenant lounge. We can run fitness, wellness. Co-working is happening. Fine. Yeah. Like landlord, you want to deliver a flex-based product. We can also deliver that. And so, you know, sure. pre-COVID, what we ended up building was, you know, a portfolio of 34 locations, uh, a million and a half square feet. We were kind of powering the hospitality experience in um, about 30 million square feet of class A office buildings. Uh, and, you know, we're on a rocket ship that ended up bumping into uh, a brick wall about a year ago. And, yeah. uh, but it's been um, an amazing, you know, ride and, and journey. Uh, you know, I think both as an entrepreneur and a founder, but, you know, more and more now as an executive. And, yeah. you know, being an entrepreneur is hard transitioning from an entrepreneur to an executive is really, really hard. And, you know, it's been interesting kind of seeing not just the company through that life cycle, but also getting a chance to see myself on that journey. Uh, sure. and, uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a great, a great run, a great ride. I'm more excited about what we're doing today than I've probably ever been, uh, even as tough as the last year has been. And, you know, I think for anyone out there that's thinking about doing something on their own, the hardest step is the first step. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I say, you know, entrepreneurship, you walk to the end of the cliff and you can't see the bottom. Right. And you right. just have to trust that when you jump, you're going to land. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, one of the most rewarding things, at least that I've done in, in my life. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, anyone, I think that you talk to that's an entrepreneur and especially, like serial entrepreneurs or, or even entrepreneurs that started one thing that just kind of blew up, like in, in your example, you know, it, it's, it's a huge amount of stress, but most of the time it's a good stress. It's a, you know, you're so excited and motivated and, and inspired by what you're doing and you're going to have super stressful days and, 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 and uh, meetings and, and moments that, you know, people that work a nine to five in a, in a, nice cushy corporation maybe don't experience but but that kind of you know zest for life that you see entrepreneurs have i've always been uh you know really envious of that and 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 you know really kind of inspired me to try to do some of my own things and maybe not to the extent of of what you're doing or some of my other uh friends in that space but even starting this podcast i mean that's kind of where this came from was 
was, you know, midst of COVID, need a creative outlet. Um, Got to figure out something that that I can own that, you know, and I don't make a dollar off this, but it's just, it's something yeah. fun that, yeah. to do that I can put out into the world that is, that belongs to me and, and really nobody else, you know. And, and you're building something. Yeah. Right. And, you know, to me, uh, you know, people always ask me, you know, like, how would you define yourself? And I'm like, I'm a builder. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really love to build teams, to build products, to build businesses. Um, And I love that journey and that process. And I think one of the things that successful people do is um, they fall in love with something. And when you fall in love with something and are passionate about something, it's not work. Yeah. It's sacrifice, but it's not work. Yep. And I think that's those are two fundamentally uh, different things. And I've been blessed and fortunate, uh, you know, that, you know, every day uh, for the last, you know, 11 plus years now, I get to do something I love that I'm extremely passionate about that I continuously want to get better at. And, uh, you know, that's a I count my blessings for that one, you know, every day because, uh, you know, a lot of people yeah. don't have that. A lot of friends of mine. Um, don't yeah. have that. So even if um, they um, are, con- congrats really... to you for, you know, you know, for, for doing this and you're scratching that itch. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I, I, I got a million different hobbies, but uh, you know, th- this is, this is one well, I that, see that guitar like... back there too. Yeah, so I know, I know yeah. that's another one of the creative outlets. We got the ax back there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's good to have that though. It's good to have the balance. It's good to have the release and uh, you know, it's, it's, life's too short to just kind of do one thing. And, and I think the days of, you know, I mean, look for some people it works, you want to go punch a clock, you want to go work nine to five every day and that's fine. You know, I mean, if, if that gives you, if that's good for you, then, then, then that's great. But, you know, I think for me and for others that I think, think a little bit differently, it's like, you gotta, you gotta nurture some other things too, and, and try to develop any way you can. And, and that's what I, I try to do. But um, yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly been fun to, to have opportunities to speak with people like yourself and, and others that are kind of carving unique um, paths in business and in life is, is so interesting to me just to learn about what they're doing, you know? Yeah, there's, I mean, I mean, everyone has a story, which I love and everyone's story is unique and different and inspiring in its own way. And yeah, I mean, I've been equally fortunate. Um, you're both with mentors and um, you know, people I've had a chance to, to meet along the way. There's just, there's so much out there in this world to be inspired about and people to be yeah. inspired about. And, you know, I know it's tough when, when we all go through something like we have the last year, but um, there's, there's yeah. still so much amazing out there. Yeah, for sure. And, and what I think is, is, you know, th- there's, there's positives to draw out of this as, as hard as it is to say that because the overall human cost of this is, you know, pretty much not worth anything positive coming out of it in in my mind. But when you have this weird, unique opportunity to have a year where you can be self-reflective and you can start thinking about other things outside of, of what your, your day to day is, that's when some creative outlets can can really open up. I mean, I've never had, and I, I said this on one of my last podcasts, and I've I've told it to some other people I've 
you know, I talk to on a regular basis. Um, with all the running around I used to do, like networking events, lunches, coffees, recruiting stuff through through JLL, I don't think I ever would have had the opportunity to sit back and and figure out this podcast or 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 figure out some other stuff I've gotten into in, in the last year, which is, you know, my wife and I have a kind of a side business called Lightning Financial, and we've been able to pick up some more work in that realm too, and even get invested in in one of my friend's uh, deals down in the DC area. Like that never happens if I'm running around in a normal, a normal Tony Giuliano year of, of just bouncing around like a maniac. I had this, this strange opportunity to, to kind of take a step back and almost like slow down to speed up in a way, to, to borrow a phrase from my buddy, Matt Blank. Yeah. Well, I was actually, it's, it's funny you say this. I was talking to uh, a, a mentor of mine actually this morning and uh, really successful. Um, um, and I think he just celebrated his 70, 70th or 75th birthday, something like that. And, you know, we were talking about his own reflection and, you know, he said, you know, he was somebody that was always, I mean, moving, right. Super successful on to the next thing. And, you know, he said something interesting and he said, you know, one, to your point, like the human cost of this and the pain and suffering, you, like you hard to put into words. Right. And I think all our, our hearts break for, for everyone that was impacted. Um, there's, there's no doubt about it, but, uh, what he said stuck with me today, which is, he said, I walk a little bit more and I think a little bit more and I'm a little bit less impatient. Hmm. And honestly, you know, those are three things that I think all of us should probably be doing a little bit more of, right. Is, yeah. is, is creating that room to breathe, to think. Um, I know for me, you know, I was, I'm the type of person I get to the top of a mountain. I look at the view for about 15 seconds and then I go looking for the next mountain to climb and preferably one that's harder than the one I just got off of. And what I realized in that was that I was never really taking enough moments or taking enough of a step back um, to really appreciate um, and not just appreciate the journey. Um, and I think to some extent, savor the moments, but also for my family, you know, my wife, yeah. my kids, you know, the ability to spend this type of time with them especially my kids at their ages has been, I mean, the greatest gift and, you know, yeah. I've been able to see and experience their life and them grow, which happens literally daily in a way that I would have never had the opportunity to do if this didn't happen. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, again, I, I it's, it's never, it's never, life is never all bad and it's never all good. And, and as hard as this is and as dark as it's been, there's definitely, I think silver linings that each of us individually I'm sure can, can hold on to, um, you know, as we look back on this experience, you know, yeah. years from now. Uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's beautifully said, you know, th this opportunity to, you know, by necessity sort of maybe shrink your, your inner circle is, is not necessarily a bad thing. Like, you know, of course, we all want to get out and we all want to go see people that we haven't seen in a long time. Like everybody wants to do that. I fully intend on doing that. Uh, you uh, know, probably. I, I, can't, I can't. I can't wait. By the way, New York's coming back. You can feel it. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, look, I think all of us long for that. Right. We're social creatures. Uh, you know, I know our 
our clients and members, you know, can't wait to get back into the office. And maybe they're not going to go every day, but they can't wait. And yeah, you know, we're talking to our meeting clients and event clients now. And, you know, everyone, the minute that they can, they want to get back to being back together face to face. Right. I mean, we're inherently social beings and I know I miss the heck out of my friends and coworkers and, uh, fingers crossed. Hopefully we keep rolling these vaccines out. No variants happen that we can't control. And, you know, I think by September, you know, maybe we're not back to what life used to be like, but hopefully we're pretty darn close. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, so speaking of that, you know, coming out of this and the future of, of flexibility in, in office work, I I'm, I'm very bullish on that. I, I think, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, I can remember even some conversations I might have with people or just reading stuff out there. It's like, oh, well, co-working's dead. I mean, you, you can't do that ever again. Like, it's just it's just finished. But as time has gone on, I actually think it's the opposite. I think the flexibility of office life is going to be bigger than ever because we've all realized that we can do what we have to do uh, in a lot of different ways. And what we want when we go to work, I think, and I think our survey data kind of proves this out too, is that we want to be connected with the people we're working with, but we want the space to do it in a more comfortable way. You know, we want to feel like we're at home while we're at the office. And I actually think, you know, I hope the mindset of, of office occupiers has shifted a little bit to understand that, like, if you spend the money to make that possible, or if you partner with a convene or, or whomever it may be to kind of create that vibe, that can really drive productivity. It can drive creativity and it can lead to a lot of success versus just coming back into, you know, standard office life cubicles and, you know, oh, we're just going to, you know, it's going to be every other cube for a while, but then eventually we're just going to be packed in like depressed sardines in our, in our, in so, our uh, you know, in our so, life. So first, just a hundred percent partner with convene. Let's just get that out there right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. If you're looking to deliver the best day at work, physically, yep. digitally hybrid call convene, no doubt. That's um, right. With, with that said though, I think, um, you know, what we've, you know, we've had the benefit of doing a lot of research. Uh, you know, we, um, practice something called human centered design or design thinking, which is this methodology that's heavily based in, in research, um, both primary, secondary, but in particular observational. And we've been doing a lot of research for a long time. And what our research has told us, not just in the last 12 months, but literally almost the last 10 years is that what people want is choice, flexibility, and experience. And if anything, COVID is accelerating the trend towards those three things. And if I think about what is going to be important coming out of COVID, it's if, if I was in workplace strategy or I was the head of people and culture, if I was the CEO or CFO or COO, I would say, how do we design a workplace strategy that supports in as seamless and frictionless and as meaningful a way as humanly possible, those three things, flexibility, choice, where I work, when I work, how I work and experience. And that experience is no longer just about what's my experience when I'm in the office, which I think all of us 
knows has to be different and has yeah. to be elevated. But what is that experience when I'm working from my home office? Do I have the right technology? Do I have the right space? Do I have the right chair? Do I have the right furniture? Is my company's IT and network infrastructure allow me to log on and do the things that I need to do from home? Um, and then when I'm participating in something remotely or virtually, whether it's a meeting, a conference, a, a company town hall, whether I'm a speaker at a conference, how do I engage virtually in a way that I haven't been able to in, in the past? And if I think about where is Convene going, and we've kind of been calling it Convene 2.0 coming out of COVID, is we want to be able to be the leader in this new hybrid way of working, right? We want to be able to right. partner with progressive organizations, with progressive landlords to help design and service premium places to meet, to work, to host inspiring events. And we don't just want to be able to do that physically. We must be able to do that digitally. And what we've right. built is this whole suite of digital solutions that allows us to support our clients in this new hybrid way of working, which sometimes will be at my HQ, sometimes will be remotely from home, or sometimes will now be from a third space. Whether that's Starbucks, a co-working space, a beach in Costa Rica, doesn't really matter. Like, And how do I, as a company, how do I create consistency across these different touch points? Right. So if I was a consulting to those customers or if I was one of those customers, these are the things that I'd really be asking myself. And obviously in the short term, it's like, how do we get people back to work? Yeah. How do we do it in a safe way? But longer term, as we think about this never-ending war for talent, yeah. attracting it, retaining it, inspiring it, I think to be competitive a decade from now, you're going to have to figure out a solution to solving those three things, flexibility, choice, and experience. And you're going to have to be able to do it in a very deliberate way and deliver it at a very, very, very high level. I, I could not agree more with that. And, you know, one thing you just mentioned, the war for talent. I mean, the war for talent was raging prior to the pandemic, and it's going to be maybe even more aggressive than it was before that. Because what you've seen is obviously, you know, some some jobless numbers that got pretty ugly and then they got a lot better. <clears throat> and then they're looking pretty good in the last report. You, you definitely have a big gap of where those jobless numbers are between, you know, lower income people and, and people of color. And, and that's a whole, you know, whole other very complicated problem that as a society we're going to have to solve coming out of this. But for the, you know, the office-based talent around technology or financial services or real estate or whatever it may be, more than ever, you're going to have people that say, look, I can work from home and I can be in the office and I can live here or I want to live there. There's so many more factors now that's going to contribute to that war for talent that's going to be far more than just a paycheck, far more than what you can pay somebody to come do a job. Because if I can live... Uh, you know, I live in Medford, New Jersey. It's about 24 miles from Center City, Philadelphia. It's normal times, it's an hour drive or so. But if I have an option between something right next door versus something that's an hour and a half away, but the hour and a half away is flexible and I can balance my life with that, all of a sudden I'm I'm 
more open and marketable to different things, you know, and that's going to be, that's going to be a huge pull, I, I think, for, for people coming out. Yeah, and, and I don't think that's that's going anywhere, right? Yeah. And I also don't think the office is going anywhere, right? Like there is a place for a dynamic corporate office experience, whether you do it yourself or you outsource it to somebody like Convene. Yeah. Because bringing people together, look, we've done a lot of digital-based collaboration and used all sorts of collaboration tools. But there is a power of bringing people together together that is undeniable right i there's certain problems that you need to be together in a room to solve um building culture i can tell you now running a fully remote company at least in the short term that there's parts of building that culture that we would love to have happen and need to happen in our corporate office so if anything i would actually say the office doesn't become less important. It actually becomes more important because what it needs to do now is a little bit different than maybe what it had to do in the past is it's, it's not a place where people come to do work because I can do work from anywhere. It's the hub in which we bring our team and clients together to collaborate, to build culture, to maintain brand, to innovate, to inspire, right? And if anything, that headquarters experience, that corporate office experience needs to be so much better and do so much more for companies and their teams than it ever has in the past. And I think that that's an incredible opportunity for the industry, for our clients, for landlords, for service providers like Convene, Convene for consultants and advisors like JLL. Yeah. Um, and I think the next three to five years, while a lot is uncertain, is going to be a defining time for our industry and an incredible opportunity for us to all step up and deliver more and to do it more sustainably, to do it more equitably, which you were starting to pick up on, on yeah. you know, some of the challenges we have in this country based on social economic class and uh uh, and sexual orientation, all sorts of things like that. So yep. I don't know. I'm, I'm very bullish. And as you can tell, passionate about, um, the future yep. of work. And I have confidence that, you know, we will figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I think, I think there's a lot of hope right now. There's a lot of optimism and a lot of work to do too. <clears throat> I mean, we're going to, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be complicated. It's going to require a lot of people in the industry and outside of the industry working together to make it happen. And, uh, you know, but but I do think, you know, leaders like yourself out there and, uh, you know, forward thinking companies and forward thinking people, you know, we can get it done. We can definitely get it done. And, and hopefully, you know, a year from now, we'll be starting to see what the new office life can really be in the in the long run, in the next five to 10 years. And, and hopefully it's a lot more comfortable and enjoyable and a place that you really want to go to. Uh, so you can collaborate and and bring those great ideas to the table. A hundred percent. And the key thing that you said is we need to collaborate together, right? Yeah. It's there's not a single company or a single team that's going to figure out the answer, and it really does require a deep collaboration between our clients, their advisors, service providers like Convene and asset owners to really come together 
probably in a, a way that we we never have in the past collaboratively um, to really kind of help design this future together. I mean, or there's one other strategy, and that's just give it to Davis. I don't know. <laughs> Just, I mean, just, just call him in. Yeah, just say, hey, buddy. Call, I think call David, him the old David, David Davis was a closer, right, when he was a pitcher, or was he a starting he, guy? He, he, was, he was a relief pitcher. Uh, was he, was he closer? Relief? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. was a reliever. Yeah, I think he comes in, in hot. He's only got about two innings in him, at least from what I've seen. So, <laughs> Come in, throw in smoke, and then, and then yeah, after like 15 pitches, you got to get him out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, a, <laughs> he, he's always been a one-inning guy. <laughs> Oh man! Well, uh, listen, poor, uh, poor Davis. Yeah. We, we love yeah, you, Davis. We do, we do. Well, listen, man. Uh, on that note, I think uh, you know it's it's uh, late Friday afternoon here. I know that I'm uh, I'm going to need a cocktail in a couple minutes here, and it's time to unwind for the weekend. So, uh, Ryan, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. This was a great conversation. I, I can't wait to share it out there for everybody. And really can't wait to see what Kameen does uh, in the near future here. I, I, I appreciate it. I really you know, enjoyed the conversation. There's no doubt we had a couple late nights at Bartley and just don't remember. <laughs> uh, and uh, always love to see a fellow Villa, Villanova alum doing great stuff. So congrats to you. Keep, keep grinding on the podcast. Um, and uh, really appreciate you having me on the show today. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. All right. Thanks.